Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Down with the sickness. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, Brandon Carlo. <laughs> Carlo. Brandon Carlo. Um, no, but uh, that's a great deal. <laughs> I'm trying to rein this into a serious take. That's uh, a cold open. No, I love I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the Bruise and Bruins podcast. I believe it's episode 65 of season two. Uh, A, the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehard, sponsored by DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings. If you've listened to like any episode in the past, any of the past 65 episodes at least. The leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making the lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every single solitary night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Wow, that was the cleanest one we've done in a while. Every moment, you interrupt means, it then? <laughs> every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings have paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. My name is Drew Johnson. I'm here, as usual, with Cam Hasbrook and Chris Gear, And we have Kat Silverman back on. So you know it's going to be a good episode. (laughs) I don't know why she's agreeing to do this. (laughs) um yeah what's what's this? oh by the way happy birthday to chris gear <laughs> if you're listening to this it drops tuesday on his birthday today oh i, I the, was the gonna say we have to pretend today is his birthday but it's monday so not quite yet so uh, oh, we're man. still drinking birthday beers though that counts i'm oh yeah exactly. literally drinking a birthday beer um i'll really? i'll get into it when we actually introduce the beers but all right, well, Chris, do you want to introduce your beer? <laughs> yeah. Would love to introduce the beer. I'm drinking oh, a Hoppy Birthday Pale Ale from Alpine Beer Company. Um, my buddy Edgar picked him up and brought him to the beach the other day and uh, let me bring him home. Um, so I'm drinking one of those. I wish Theo would quiet down. He's it is indeed. Happy birthday too. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed Hoppy, um, and it is a pale ale. Uh, it's 5.3 um mostly hop flavor you can taste it but it's not like a lot of depth of flavor or anything like that kind of reminds me of a session ipa um so taste will go with uh 14 and drinkability you get a little you gain a little with the low alcohol content but you lose a little with how 
uh, kind of bitter and hoppy it is. So I probably wouldn't want to be drinking these all day. We'll go with 15. Solid, solid. Cam Hasbrook, what you got? Uh, I'm drinking a few beers right now, but the one I'm going to review, <laughs> the, it's Saturday. I mean, it's Monday, but it's Saturday. Uh, I'm drinking Austin Street Pale Ale from right down the road. Um, this is the Patina. Uh, it's one of their mainstays. I'm pretty sure I've had it on the pod before, so Lancey can go back and compare my ratings. Um, but very good beer. Uh, it is 5.3%. Decent little kick to it. Um, on the more bitter side, it sort of tastes like an IPA, but um, isn't too hoppy necessarily. It's just kind of bitter. Um, has a citrusy vibe to it a little bit, which is definitely nice. I appreciate that in, in more bitter beers. So give it a go here. Um crispy on the taste but start with the drinkability i would say like i said it is bitter so that takes a little bit off of it but it's not overly hoppy so i'd give it probably a 23 uh taste it definitely has a pretty up and at you flavor to it right hits the tongue you can feel it dancing on there a little bit so i'm gonna give it like a <laughs> like a 31 for flavor um and also it tastes good which which is not included in our scale, but I do like to point that out that it's a very good beer. Well, Cam's tongue is a dance floor. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say that to make it that down. sounds illegal. I'm not sure how, but I'm pretty sure that broke a law. Definitely an Elton John song about that somewhere. Probably Your as tongue well. is a dance floor. Okay. Uh, anyway, cat, uh, <laughs> what are you drinking? Um. So I send a. G Flores out to pick up beer on Saturday and then the sun's got like curb stomped. Um, and so he had to like dash out and get it on Sunday and said once he'd recovered, he picked up a big blue van, blueberry wheat, um, brewed in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Um, which I you could hold me at gunpoint, I have no idea where that is. I just know that it's far from Phoenix and I feel like weird, weird shit always happens there. Um, but they make a good beer. It's a, uh, it's not as fruity as a lot of the, a lot of the fruit beers. Um, my only requirements were that it was something kind of fruity and not a stout because it's a Monday and I didn't want to be just like going hard on the stouts. Um, I want to be drinking fruit stouts. So no, uh, he almost picked up one that was called Morning Sex. That was, uh, I think it was a stout. And so he, or no, it was a porter. And so he, he nixed that one, but wanted me to have to say that on the pod. So jokes on so him. I'm saying it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's not super fruity for, for fruit beer. Um, a little on the heavier side, which I mean, it's a wheat beer that happens, uh, 5.4% alcohol. So not, not too bad. Um, it, on the side, it says cool, crisp and funky, uh, not as crisp as I think they're advertising, but that's okay. Um, on the incubator scale, I give it like a 12 because it's a little on the heavier side. Um, but on the on the taste scale, I'm going to go with uh, Louis Erickson and Nick Ritchie here. Give it a 21. Hell yeah. Very nice. So I, I hope now, you guys appreciate that I that I actually gave an, uh, a player's number this time because every time <laughs> I come on, I forget place. about that. And I'm like, shit. So uh, that's not even really part to, of it. We just, we just do it sometimes. Yeah. I came prepared. Course, I did my homework. <laughs> She's like, I listened to your podcast for the first time. <laughs> 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 All 
Uh, if I you guys had to pick two, <laughs> two out of the three of cool, crisp, and funky for a beer, which I mean, cool's got to be one because you don't want a warm beer. I would yeah, imagine. Funky. So, I, crisp or funky? Which one would you prefer? <laughs> funky. Funky. I feel like cool and crisp is like the the advertising of Coors Light. They're just that like is, our yeah. beer doesn't have bleep any that flavor. Out. We so. gotta bleep that out. Yeah. Bleep well, out. well, Miller Coors is a they're they're a company, so. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to get them on the pod. Um, I don't know. Cool come and defend crisp yourself, to me says, says hard cider. Cool and crisp says hard cider to me. Oh, okay, so yeah, different. If I hear that for, for a crisp, beer, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, really? Uh, but I mean, it's good. It's just I don't know. If crisp is the word I'd use for a, a wheat beer, but that's okay. I, I they tried. Like funky also implies like. Some sort of weird off. twist, yeah. Some offness yeah. To it. No, I think like, probably fruit in like a weird, you know, you're getting like passion fruit it's or something fruit, like that. But like it's, it's not gonna be like it's, it's not gonna fruit. be blueberry. I don't know if blueberry's funky. It's pretty I'm thinking I like some, some sort of like weird like wild yeast or something or like yeah. some kind I think of it's weird because that's, fermentation process. That's the beer. Oh wow. Like, that's I think a that's, can. that's that's the can. The can. So I think it's uh it's all the Arizona beers are wacky as hell, so there's nothing else. Cool, crisp, and wacky as hell. I have. Anyway, Drew. <laughs> I uh, I polished off that last beer so I could drink a Miller Lite. Hey. Let's go. I'll I'll drink a Miller Lite with you. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Ah, almost cold. <laughs> you can see those blue. Almost cold beer. Uh, not Yum. mountains. Um, I, I transferred it from the. Uh, from the cooler to the fridge about three hours ago and it didn't quite make it to cold <laughs> in that time um drinkability 37 i'm already halfway through it and i just opened it um partially just because i wanted to prove that it's drinkable but also uh happy birthday chris um taste now do i be honest or do i like like yes. suck up to them be honest and we'll bleep it out that's the same thing all right tasteability yeah. <laughs> is like a 10 times 3.7 haha nailed it drew stuck the landing seven no all right thank you yes that's what i do landings and sticking them drew, yeah, we, drew we stuck the landing yeah. johnson yeah <laughs> <laughs> Drew, right. Drew has two ski videos where he Drew, worked. Drew, I just out. want you to know I also polished my beer so I can grab a Miller Lite. So. There we go. <laughs> hey. shit. I don't have any Miller Lite. So happy birthday, so. Chris. Then Wait, go oh, to, oh. No, send Richie to the store right now. Yeah. I, I should have shipped him some Miller Lite. No. Um, so we have some hockey to talk about. The expansion draft is coming up, and recently... Only uh, if you're per- listening to this on Tuesday or early on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, but, uh, stay tuned for our riveting preseason preview coverage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thirty teams have released their protection lists. Uh, Vegas is exempt because they're new. I, I would imagine is that the... seems that seems Should, sketchy. Like, I, I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I understand. Like, okay, maybe they wrote the rule like just so they're not setting a bad precedent for other expansion teams. Um, but I feel like if your expansion team makes the Stanley Cup final by the time the next 
the next expansion comes around, you're eligible. Even like the playoffs. Yeah, like, there are there's say, teams like the Buffalo that hasn't made the playoffs in like a fucking decade, and you know what I mean. You're gonna tell me they're worse off than like Vegas right now. Like, in fairness, <laughs> Buffalo is gonna be offloading uh, probably a contract that they don't need. So That's probably fair. So exactly. So maybe this. it's a balancing act then at that point. Like, I feel yeah. like it's like it's like Edmonton, where where people say that we need to change the uh, we keep having to change the draft lottery. Uh, because they kept still winning. hasn't worked, um, and, <laughs> and uh, I feel like if you make the if you make your conference finals more than once before the next team comes along, you you don't get an exemption. Like that's that's not fair. I think even so. if there's there's more than a year between, like if the following season another another team enter, it's like okay, you're exempt. But I think. You know, after a little bit there, you're able to sign free agents, make trades, whatever. You're beefing up your team, then you, you should have to. I understand if it's if, the very next season, but beyond that, like, how long has it been now? Like, three seasons? Four. Yeah, four. Like four. Oh, wow, yeah. four. Time flies four. when you're having fun. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been doing anything the past year and a half, but uh, <laughs> neither has anyone else. Um. Yeah, I think that's bullshit that they're exempt. But but the Bruins were one of the teams to reveal their lists. Ooh. Ah. Yeah, this is going to be boring because I feel like the Bruins are in like a really weird, unique position where they don't have to give up anybody of value. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to yeah. like jinx it, but like I feel like that's mostly true. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I, have, I, I, I It's completely right. true. I, feel I like may that. have tipped off my hot take on Twitter, but... Uh, yeah. I think the worst case scenario for the Bruins is that Curtis Lazar gets taken. Uh, and like, if the worst case scenario is you're losing your fourth line center, not a, you're not doing a bad right. situation. There's like two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. There's Boston where like, oh, worst case you lose Curtis Lazar. And then there's Colorado where like, best case you only lose an oft injured Eric Johnson instead of Gabriel Landeskog. So yeah. The- this article I pulled up says that Taylor Hall and David Krejci are in Tuka Rask are available, but they're they not. You can. Uh, I think they're take, doing it like TJ Oshie. You can take a UFA in expansion, and then um, you'd have to sign. But you have their negotiating them. rights, and that's it. So yeah, there there are a couple of players. I don't. I didn't actually check all of the protection lists and analyze them, but I know there were a couple of players where they were thinking, you know, maybe it's in their best interest to you know, protect Dougie Hamilton or something like that, where it's a guy who's going to be really coveted in free agency. And maybe you just want his rights so that, you know, you have, you know, the, the ability to negotiate with them first, but, um, and it is a weird thing. Like you saw the Rangers trade for Barkley Goodrow. And I, I feel like once you do, once you trade for the rights of somebody, um, especially if you're offering them a six year deal, with like $4 million a year and they're a fourth liner, uh, they're they're probably going to take it. Um, there's just like a weird thing in hockey where hockey players are like, "Oh, this team wants me. Yeah, I'll sign there." Um, but I, but I also assume that there's some sketchy uh, under the table deals happening before those trades are made. What kind of sketchiness? It sounds interesting. We should dive into that. <laughs> All right, we're not gonna. Um, <laughs> I think the the biggest surprise to me, not necessarily, well, Trent Fredericks protected so i guess that's the biggest surprise like not that he isn't good but i i'm just surprised over someone like 
I don't know, like JFK, you know, the president. Um, <laughs> I don't know or if like, uh, JFK is eligible. Just, no, he is. He's he's, well, he's dead. Drew, oh, I, I hate fuck. to break it to you. But... <laughs> Dude, this is Jacob or back a car. Just don't Google it because there's they're just, this... <laughs> or, or just yeah. like a play with like a little more. I don't know, like potential. Like I think Wasn't what we see from Charleston Trump... in Sweden. Oh, maybe he is. Yeah, because the uh, pandemic and yeah, I'm shit. pretty sure he went oh, to Europe. Yeah, yeah he say. probably went back to Europe. Um, so I guess that makes sense. But I think he's like <laughs> you know, he's an Nick Richie though. Like with how he had performed. Like I'm fine with Richie being exposed, and I'm fine with him going to Seattle. But. I don't know. I was just surprised that the Bruins like management was like, yeah, let's let's expose Richie and keep Frederick around. Like, I don't think if you left Frederick unprotected, I still think they're going to go for a guy like Lazan or Zaboral or something. Um, so I don't know. Maybe the Kraken will be like, yo, we need toughness. Toughness wins championships, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I really, I really think it's going to be Lazon or Zaboral, probably Lazon who winds up going to Seattle. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I do agree with Chris. So I think the worst thing for the Bruins right now probably would be Lazar just because the Bruins are in the rare position that they do kind of have some, uh, with, uh, I don't know. I, they have center depth, but I guess with, with coils last season, not as much as maybe you had hoped for a year ago. Um, but Drew, I do agree. When I was going down the list for the first time, Trent Frederick was the only one that I like stopped and I was like, hmm. And then I was like, well, I guess so. Yeah, it makes sense. But like, it was definitely the one that caught my eye, if you will. Yeah, Except early for- on. Jeremy Swayman. <laughs> early on, I was wondering if they'd leave DeBrusque open, but then they signed him to that extension. It was kind of like, ah, okay, they're probably not going to leave DeBrusque exposed. They seem a little, a little uh, invested. Yeah, I wasn't too surprised by the Frederick keep because he at a certain point you gotta play politics too and frederick's kind of a fan favorite and uh i don't know if nick yeah. Ritchie qualifies as a fan favorite yet but what do you mean he won the seventh he won the yeah especially on the popularity contest on weird yeah. bruins twitter he's definitely uh, a popular player but i don't know if like the greater fan base is like oh i love nick Ritchie. By greater fan base, you mean the ones who don't object themselves to the toxicity of Twitter because they don't have to? The sure. non-people, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's plenty of older people on Twitter. We, we oh, are the normal people listening people, to our podcast. Not the older people. The normal oh. people are older people. Not the normal people. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just based on our podcast, I don't think normal people or old people are listening to our podcast. Just based on our content, I don't want to be a gatekeeping podcast either. If you, if you oh, I'm be, not gatekeeping. I'm just guessing based on. You want to be normal? If you want to be older, like if you if you have made the choice to be an older person, then yeah, that's, by that's all, all you listen to our podcast. Uh, yeah. On my uh, resume, <laughs> on my resume, I have Bruise and Bruins under like, yo, I know how to do like audio editing video editing and all that but i also argue like we i 
help run the social media and know how to like garner attention from our target audience i still don't know who that target audience necessarily <laughs> is yeah degenerates it's degenerates no i target target audience is really literally just word. patrick laverty is all it is yeah really it's like <laughs> and like lancy laverty but lancy's like part of our show so he's not even an audience so like pretty yeah, much just I'm, patrick i i i have no idea i don't think we have a demographic i think it's just people who uh vibe with us yeah, I actually was uh, like thinking about that earlier, like specifically what our demographic and how I would explain it, and like it's just like <laughs> Bruins fans who like beer, I guess, <laughs> like is the most obvious one given the title, but like that's a pretty, it's pretty expansive. I, like, I do think there is a large, yeah, I think there's a large portion of the Bruins fan base that loves beer that absolutely hates our podcast. Yeah, so. no, but that's the thing is like I that that would be a lie, but I'm not sure how to like like highbrow like smart Bruins fans who enjoy but you know what I mean like people who I'm have on the podcast no, like, no yeah. not smart <laughs> well working knowledge yeah uh, uh, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of brightness that shines through once in a while it's just rare but anyway keep listening you know, like adjusting to the adjust, like the I love the cold open of the last episode where it was all like what I said and at the end I was like yeah Chris, that was out, a sound yeah. take though <laughs> yeah. yeah well so our our demographic is people who vibe with Drew because uh we did do a fan vote when back when we had like 80 people who listened to this podcast and they voted Drew the favorite uh host wait I think they I was I voted least favorite Oh no! You no. were second. Chris was uh, Cam was least. Yeah. No, I said Drew is the favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't realize I won that. Oh, you won by a lot, and Cam and I were duking it out for last. <laughs> for last, oh. which I I won last, by the way. So Chris didn't I wanna, win. <laughs> I want to run another poll. I want to see. I want to see if last. it's changed. You'd you'd have to add Chanel for, and I though. Yeah, four options. We, option, should, add, say, we say, should also just add. <laughs> like a fake name and just see how that goes just see how that goes. <laughs> people that like pretend to listen to our podcast they're like oh i'm a big fan of like mike he's really it's george <laughs> chris it's chris johnson drew hasbrook and Cam <laughs> yeah Peter. just fuck them all up uh, <laughs> uh, what are we talking about again <laughs> uh expansion draft um oh cat we want to talk about uh specifically goaltenders who were exposed because when I heard that price was being exposed, um, I mean, there's all that stuff with his contract. We'll see. I don't want to take that salary on. But how drastically do you think that changes the landscape compared to maybe who you expected to be taken if they were to be uh, available for Seattle beforehand? Um, I don't think it's going to change it. Uh, I think, I mean... If they really want to mess with Montreal, yeah, take Carey Price, go for it. Um, but, I mean, he's he's seeing a doctor. We don't know how healthy he is. I'm assuming he's about life left in him. He looked fine during the playoffs. Um, I don't think he has his contract duration left in him, but that's okay. I think they, they'll have room, I think. Uh, I think Seattle's going to have room for that. Uh, just looking at the list of available goalies that I – the NHL put out a tweet or it was an Instagram post that had a list of notable ones, which if you told me in like, I don't know, 2018, that the list of goalies who were available was going to include Ben Bishop, Jonathan Quick, Carey Price, Matt Murray, Martin Jones, and Braden Holtby. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. What? <laughs> um, and naturally they all are, um, which, okay. Um, I wouldn't touch 
ninety percent of that list with a ten foot pole. Um, I think quick. <clears throat> I think it's I think it's cute that uh, that San Jose exposed Martin Jones. Like nobody's gonna touch that. San Jose doesn't even want to touch that. Uh, I still think Chris Drieger is gonna be who they end up taking, just because he's he's not elite, right? Like he's not this all star goaltender, but he's fine, and he's he an capable RFA? of playing. Uh, no, he's UFA. Okay. He's, he's older. He's, he's 28 27. or 29 at this point. Okay. I was close. Um, so me minus a few years. Uh, but I, I wouldn't goalie, take, though, right? Like it depends. I, I like, right. I think Matt Murray, I think it depends on where they are in their development. Cause like Matt Murray, he's on the exposed list, which first off, how hard does everybody have to be laughing at that? contract extension Ottawa signed last summer they traded for him and we're like we're gonna sign him for like five or six years it'll be fine like not fine he's so bad and he's he's younger than I think Chris Drieger is I think he's 26 but I also how do you know all this <laughs> I see it I see a thing and it's in my brain yeah. somewhere I'll say Chris um, has a lot of like weird age like, I feel like yeah well it's because Amazing he's turning like, 31 now so he's like how many yeah, players I'm, are younger <laughs> than me he's wise yeah, <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> wise he sits out on his French porch his front porch and like feeds like well someone's someone's following she's along like, and, yeah. and I've definitely gotten both of those ages wrong and someone's following along watching and going oh he's losing it in his old age <laughs> and we're all like yeah he's definitely how does he know all this? He's just wrong. Like, how does he know oh, this I remember wrong? when I was 26, a goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And... <laughs> okay, Doc. <Yeah. laughs> my, Doc and my, my old person voice is the same. The, yeah, was that supposed to be Doc? Good. No, it was supposed to be uh, an no. old person. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I'm sorry, Chris. Um, Matt Murray. No, is, you're not. Uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm really not sorry. Uh, no, that's that's a guy who I don't think can bounce his game back, right? Like we've we've seen him try. He went to a no pressure situation in Ottawa. There, nobody had any delusions that that team was going to be even a passable franchise last year, and he still couldn't put it together. Uh, Braden Holtby on the decline. I know that Vancouver was once again a very hard team to play behind, but he performed poorly. Uh, Maybe if you think that Jonathan Quick bounced back well enough, because he did over the last two years, he's been better. Um, he was he was one of the two worst goaltenders in the league for like three years in a row. It's a pretty and low bar he, to clear. You know, it's a very low bar, but like he, if you want a veteran presence there who has like you want your Stanley Cup rings, go for it. Um, but I wouldn't touch Ben Bishop. Edmonton might That's another for guy him. who. God, no, they they need that spot for Mike Smith. Like that is the Mike Smith shaped cutout on the bench. Oh, I thought they were um, just trying to add cup rings. <laughs> that they're more interested in really old goaltenders than they are in really old goaltenders with cups, because they really seem to like Mike Smith. I've heard they're potentially bringing him back, which is amazing. Like, good for them. Um, good for Mike Smith. No, good for, every... yeah, good for Mike Smith. He's making his bank. As one of the doesn't, worst goaltenders in the league scene. Doesn't every NHL years. goaltender technically have a cup? Yeah, it's to prevent injury. Yeah. Oh my god. Good joke, Drew. Thanks. Uh, I, I'm just, can we? Can where's the like laugh track? Where's, where's the laugh track? Where's the applause? Oh, I need god. it. Need <laughs> <Feed> my ego. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
That's way better. That was the penalty strike or something like that. Uh, I don't know what that was, yeah. Fun fact, guys. Earlier, like, I think it was, what, after the last episode, Chris revealed to me that his favorite thing in the world is dad jokes. He was like, I'm really good at making jokes that make you cringe. And I didn't say it was now my he's favorite got, like, thing. Through and no. it was, you, so. you said it was funny. No, you said it was your favorite thing to do to a friend. Okay. So, no, he actually meant so, dope yeah. jokes about people's dads. Uh, a dad? <laughs> that was thing, actually. Like, My dad's next door. A dad, a dad walks into a bar. And, uh, yeah, it's not about dad specific did. dads. It's just like, you know, your everyday average dad. Yeah. <laughs> so your everyday average dad, dad walks, walks into a bar. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The, the exposed list for goalies is weird. I. Uh, if I'm Seattle, I mean, people have said it. If I'm Seattle, I'm going to teams who exposed goalies that they hope are just too expensive um, and saying, hey, like, like Carey Price, you go to uh, you go to Montreal and you say, hey, I talked to a couple teams. They'd be willing to flip Carey Price for X. What can you give us to not do that? And I see what they're willing to give me, kind of like what Vegas did where they – got half of their like top six players by telling teams, Hey, we're going to take this guy. Uh, what will you give us instead? Um, I think that Capo Cackman is kind of a fun one. I think he gets forgotten about a lot because nobody gives a fuck about the Minnesota wild. Um, but they protected Cam Talbot. I thought that was kind of surprising. He's older. He has more mileage. Capo Cackman is supposed to be a really good promising up and comer. Um, and he's performed pretty well, right? Like he's he's done pretty well for them. And instead, they exposed and kept Talbot Um That's who. That's who. Even if they don't plan on taking him, if I'm Seattle, I say, hey, uh, what'll you give me for him? If you I get to smell keep gasoline Capo in my room, by the way, so if I start passing out, oh. call the uh, call nine one one. Call nine one one. I went to check if the stove was on, and it's not. No, it's because <laughs> that Miller Lite is straight gas, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kat, I have seen the rumblings on Twitter from prominent, prominent, uh, prominent. NHL Twitter journalist guys and such uh, that there may be serious rumblings about Gary Price going to Seattle. So I am kind of curious whether yeah. or not they will be serious about that. Like, I... I I mean, I, I obviously don't think anybody's doubting that Carey Price is still a good goalie. Um, not at what he was necessarily. And I think of that crop has some of the higher potential as somebody who doesn't understand goaltending nearly as well as Cat. Maybe she's telling no. me I'm wrong. But I think he the does. concern is, <laughs> yeah, the concern there is like the contract and then this potential knee injury thing, right? Are the two concerns there? Right. I would say the other concern is being a really bad goaltender for like the last four years. How dare you? <laughs> Remute. <laughs> stop, Chris. Give me the stop, Chris button. No, I, I've, I've seen that floating, floating around, and I mean that's that's where he's from. He's from the West Coast. Um, obviously, he's from north of the border. Um, but that's his family's from out there. He'd be close to where he spends his summers anyway. He enjoys being out there. I think somebody posted a video from a. Uh, I think it was at an all-star game a couple of years ago where he talked about how much he'd love to see a team go to Seattle. Um, Cause he loves it there and he loves visiting and he loves walking around there. And uh, so I think he'd enjoy it there. I think he'd be a good fit there in the same way that Marc-Andre Fleury was a really good fit for Vegas. Um, and 
that contract is really the biggest obstacle outside of the health concern, obviously. I, I think he's he's a good voice to have around, even if he's not what he used to be, right? Like you look at some of the some of the more veteran goaltenders who can help mentor younger guys who are still capable of playing, right? Like we're not looking at the guys who can't stop a beach ball. We're looking at what Jonathan Quick was able to do last year where he played capable games. It was a good mentor to Jack Campbell, who then went on and basically stole uh, Freddie Anderson's job. Um, you know, I think there are weird things that will likely happen. I think if Carey Price goes to Seattle, nobody should be shocked by it. But I think they'd also probably take one of like Capo Kacken Chris Drieger. Uh, I know that I'm trying to think of if anybody else like worthwhile is exposed um a lot of of free agents are exposed obviously uh like auntie ranta exposed by the coyotes no intention of bringing him back yarrow halak exposed no intention of going back to boston so guys like that i wouldn't necessarily waste to pick on unless they know they want to sign them um but i don't know i i think as smart as i like to think i am about goaltenders uh alex mandricki who is the data analyst who's in charge of all the stats over in Seattle uh, is one of the smartest people I've ever met. Talking with her was like one of the most heartwarming things that's ever happened to me at a draft. And also one of like the most humbling experiences. Cause I realized just how much dumber than her I am. Um, so I, I wouldn't even pretend extra humbling for us idea. knowing about that. <laughs> She's know, operating just, on like another planet like from us. <laughs> My goal is to get like a name drop for her on every bruise and bruins I'm on until she finally like writes me and tells me to stop. Um, which I think is gonna be never because hopefully she doesn't listen to my podcast <laughs> episodes. Um, no, I think uh, she's got some big things planned with cap compliance too, and with figuring out where they want to add a big contract locker room kind of guy and where they want to add cheaper talent. I think there's cheaper talent out there to be had. Um, I do think that Bill Armstrong in Arizona kind of thwarted one of the possibilities. There was a lot of talk about Seattle taking Aiden Hill. He played right around there. I think he played for the Portland Winterhawks um, in the dub back when he was playing junior hockey. Um, so he's familiar with the area. He likes being there. I think he's from Alberta. Um, and he's a passable NHL backup. Um, and so Arizona said we could lose him for free or we could trade him to San Jose for a second round pick and get someone else for us to expose, which they did. They got Yosef Koronash, who I think is never going to see NHL ice for them. Um but with that one gone, uh, that obviously enabled uh, San Jose to then expose Martin Jones. That'd be a fun one to see. I'd love to see Martin Jones go up the coast and turn his career around. He seems like a nice guy. Get him I, don't think he's, I don't think he's capable of it. But like, if he if he does, I think that'd be good for him, right? Uh, but that's that's all I that's all I got there. All right. Well, I think we kind of like danced around it. But if I I, I, I you kind of did mention, I guess your pick would be Dreiger, you said? Yeah, Chris Chris, Chris Okay. Which I I believe I I said it as Chris Dreiger on something and then somebody told me I was wrong. And so I looked it up and I think I'm saying it wrong now too. Um I had I had been saying Dreiger for like the three weeks after he was good and then I heard somebody say Dreiger on a podcast and I was like that's not 
how that's spelled. There's no way it's pronounced that way. And then I watched Mom, Panthers. Uh, I watched Panthers games and they sang Trigger. So it is no, I guess we're, okay. I guess we're just ignoring the, the D in the middle of the name because <laughs> the silent D. Yeah, yeah I, that happens. The well, that's Trig. The goalie that the Coyotes picked up, uh, Joseph Koronash. We looked that up before uh, before Richie and Corey recorded two nights ago, um, and because they didn't know how to pronounce it, and it's Koronash, but it's spelled K O N or K O R E N A R. It ends in an R, and it's pronounced Koronash. So, no, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know how to pronounce uh, Alex Nedeljkovic's name until. <laughs> um, round two round three somewhere around there i can spell that one without looking it up now and i consider that like i i put that on my resume i don't put my podcasts on my resume nobody needs to hear that but then i can spell Dr. it nine and, did you Dr. nine put, and took me a long time did you put alex Nadelkovich's name at the top like you're supposed to put your own name <laughs> no because i think that that implies that that's my name too and i think that's gonna that's gonna get me hit with a restraining order so no his name know. was my name, What's too. My name? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Christ. And that's us singing out. No, uh, there's some other stuff to talk about, too. Well, before we get off mm-hmm. of the uh, expansion draft, I did want to, like, Cat uh, mentioned cap compliance and stuff. And uh, the one thing on uh, Carey Price is it doesn't seem like there are a ton of really big contracts out there that are enticing so i like i think the best player available is probably yanni gordon he has like a five 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 seven something um and then there are guys who have low term high cap hits that are kind of like yeah sure we could take on mark giordano for a year but telling me you don't like uh you don't think that shea weber's contract is it's super plottable right yeah, not so much. Or do you just think he sucks? I do. Th- I do think he's better than PK Subban, Subban now. But uh, the the, oh, the weird twist of that trade ended up being that Montreal kind the of both of them. That was a weird trade, just in general. Surprised that. I'm surprised that it kind not of worked for Montreal. Trade, I guess I don't know. But... Yeah. My favorite trade that everyone. Uh, everyone loved at the time was the uh, Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones trade. And now it turns out that they're both kind of bad. So uh, Ryan Johansson also, I believe exposed for this draft. So, so is I, Oh, it just flew right out of my head. I was going to say there was somebody else from one of the big trades that got, uh, they got exposed pretty much everyone funds exposed. Uh, The Vladimir Tarasenko hit. Do you think they'll take him? I don't know. That's, seven, that's a, that's a cap hit. seven and a half million is a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that's, that's another one where it's like, maybe that's the only situation where the risk is worth it. Um, Cause if they're taking on, like you said, there, there's a balance there. If you're taking on one big contract, that's somewhere where you have to not take a big contract from some other, from some other team. But I mean, if you're not taking on Mark Giordano, then yeah, sure. Maybe take the risk on Tarasenko and see like, Hey, maybe he's, still that 30 goal scorer and we can get him for without having to give up any assets i don't know why they do that when they have like lou lamorello uh excites everyone right like he does these things and they're like wow he's so good he he works so well with all the other gms and then he he protected matt martin and cal clutterbuck and exposed uh josh bailey and jordan everly 
which that's if you're taking like a higher ish captain. Yeah, I was. I would like, take Jordan Everly in a heartbeat. Like I yeah, still don't understand yeah. that one. I was reading through the list without looking at who New York had protected with the Isles, and I just reading through the exposed list, and I was like, "Damn, are the Isles that deep that they're like?" No, nope. And then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, "Wait, the North they, they were just worried. They were just worried that Seattle was trying to construct the best fourth line in hockey, or whatever. yeah, <laughs> it can't happen. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Apparently, apparently, they're so cap strapped that because they they made the Nick Letty trade right to try and dump some cap, and then they made the Andrew Ladd trade where they literally didn't get anything back from the Coyotes, and they gave away a second round pick this year, a second round pick next year that depending on how that goes, they have multiple second round picks available right now. It's going to be one of the better of them. Um, And then like either a second or third round pick that year, the following year. So they gave up multiple like mid to high round picks to offload cap space and got like, they didn't even get like a warm body in return. They got nothing. Yeah. It's been interesting because there haven't been a lot of, or any, uh, panic trades to Seattle to entice them to take anybody else. Not yet. yet. I feel like it's um, all going to come in the morning on Wednesday. Um, but we have seen some like weird panic moves. That's a, especially in Minnesota, uh, <laughs> buying out maybe two of the worst contracts in the <laughs> league's history. Um, At the same time, while yep. they were on the phone with each other. Beautiful. Well, I mean, it's. <laughs> You know, you got, you got to go for that symmetry because they they did sign them at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's shitty to the players. But I guess like if you're stuck in in Minnesota and you're getting paid extra for to go somewhere else, it's not too bad. But um, I mean, like especially with Zach Parise, where he's like from Minnesota and signed there in, very intentionally. Is Ryan Suter also from Minnesota? I think so. Yeah. 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 He's not from um, Minnesota. He's from one of those other like flyover uh, I think states. Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin sounds right. I'm not going to. From the land of the ice and snow. My, uh, You're saying like confidence that you haven't looked up at all. So I'm going to look that one up at least. Okay. <laughs> to go with to go with all the goalie ages that you've memorized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but th- those buyouts are really interesting because I think those those moves were made so they could keep Matt Dumba. Um, and sure, Matt Dumba's a good player. Like maybe you wouldn't want to expose him, but also you're taking on so much money for so many years just to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at some point you got to wonder whether it's worth it. <laughs> like, I think in 2024 they're really going to be finding out that it wasn't worth yeah, it. They're gonna <laughs> Probably it. they're going to hate it. I think they're banking on that cap finally going up, though, right? They're they're banking on at some point the league has to start making some sort of money again um because apparently like the u.s doesn't care about covid so we're probably yeah, well, full capacity when, when the season. when the omega variant comes around in 2023 <laughs> oh uh, that cap's not going they're up not anymore. Gonna be worried about <laughs> they're not gonna be worried about the players at that point because there's gonna be no nhl uh so first off you are correct uh he is from madison wisconsin um which now I now I trust everything you say. You could lie. You, <laughs> you can so lie your face off the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it took. I believe the rest of it. Uh, no, that's uh, I kind of like that they did it though, from a petty perspective. Because I don't know if you guys saw Matt Dumba's Instagram story after no. it happened. Uh, 
somebody posted a screenshot of it, which once again, I'm begging the players to stop posting things on their Instagram stories that they don't want the world to see. Um, and it was just like a, it was just like a scene of like a peaceful lake somewhere. And he's like, feeling especially good today. And that's all he posted. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm here for that kind of petty shit show. Like that's that's absolutely what I'm here for. So I enjoyed it. I just love that Ken Holland went out and got Duncan Keith <laughs> and had no salary retained whatsoever, had to give up assets, tied up his second round pick for next year <laughs> for some reason because he felt like adding in a kicker. Uh, and now Ryan Suter's available and will probably be cheaper than five and a half million dollars. <laughs> I think uh, just pushing back to Tarasenko, I do see Seattle taking him just because even with the too. salary, it's only like two more years, and then you can either just part ways or resign him for something different if he fucking sucks. Or, you know, the, as an expansion team, I know like Vegas was – just absolutely exceeded expectations and we're like we're cup winning team right now but i don't so exactly I, I, do, see that. I do have a question about that though because yeah he has the no move clause and he waived it for he has like a 10 team no trade list or whatever is does that mean that like he waived it for seattle or is seattle just like i, th- I think he just waived it for it seattle similar to price yeah. waiving it just for the expansion but like, i think that's like, just so low risk in, yeah Prices will kick back in, so they can't necessarily trade him. Um, I think Tarasenko's would likely be the same thing. Um, although a lot of that also is um, it's contingent on the team. Because um, I remember, I think it was P.K. Subban. Um, when he got traded, the team had the option of honoring the remainder of his no-movement clause or not. Because it had been negated. And they said, no <laughs> correct <laughs> and he wanted and he wanted to get out like like he wanted to be done with montreal and that's i think vladimir tarasenko's at that point with st louis for what sounds like understandable reasons um yeah but he i feel like that's a good a good gamble for them right it's like you said it's two years um my guess is that injury wise and if he's finally gotten the treatment that he claims he actually needed we'll know by next year if he's capable of continuing to play for years or if he's done, I feel like it's not going to be two years and then maybe he'll keep playing or not. It's like, we're going to know next year if he's, he's if he's, he's capable 29. Of playing he's not, not yeah. like, yeah, it's he's either done or he's not, I think. And, and yeah. shoulder injuries, especially for dudes whose calling card is their shot. It's cool. um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of a, a deal breaker there. Um, I love the guy. He's, he's been one of my favorite hockey players for a while, but uh, the games that he played this past year were not very good. Um, um, and he's always he's always been very not good defensively. So if he's not playing well offensively, that's an extra issue. Um, I, but, but I think that there are so few 30-goal scorers in the league that, you know, if you take that gamble and you have the cap space and you've bake that into your strategy like drew said it's a good good gamble i think it's a good gamble too because he'd probably get first line minutes and 
how, how many then, first line guys are available in this exactly draft. he's definitely one of, one of the only first line guys available so it's like go for it if it doesn't work out whatever just blame it you're an expansion team it didn't work out you can part ways with them down the road really quickly down the road but i do think tarasenko should come to boston just because we got the doctors here man we got the hospitals you can get great you got care. donnie del negro great we got a good healthcare system in mass. Like, let, let's go. Let's go, Tarasenko. You know, you're like going to get the treatment you deserve. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We got Romney. We should come to Arizona. This is where we have some of the best orthopedic doctors in the world. So we have so many old people. You have some that... of the best latter day goal scorers. This is true. That's a Phil Kessel thing. That's, I know. I, I figured that's who you were referencing. Uh, no, we have a ton of really good orthopedic doctors here in Arizona because that's there are a lot of new replacements here in Arizona. Lots of hip replacements, lots of new shoulders. Uh, here in I Maine, feel like too, this yeah. is a perfect place. <laughs> I was going to say, where where the old people go. This, the, this is definitely probably the two oldest states here, Maine and Arizona, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I know Maine's the oldest state. I don't know about Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona or Florida probably. It's not would be Florida. Yeah. Arizona. I don't know. My like, thoughts are like desert colonies don't. Oh, oldest is yeah. in. I, I, I thought you meant like the oldest state in the union. No, and I was no. like, what? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, like mid eighteen hundreds because nah, the Civil yeah, War as far was as ramping up and they goes. took yeah. it away from Massachusetts. Definitely not Arizona. We're state forty-eight in terms of being added to the union and in education. Nice. <laughs> um, <Is> that's <laughs> symmetry right there so uh there's some I'm more stuff name. this this um, is the symmetrical podcast we've had a couple references to symmetry uh cat replaced me on my birthday podcast a year ago uh yes Kat's here today it's this is all about symmetry um bruins uh re-signed brandon carla i don't think I think that happened after we recorded the past few episodes. Yeah, like a lot of shit happened between the last time we recorded and now. We can't release the bonus episode and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> well, he told me. Yeah, no, you didn't know by the end. Uh, I didn't tell Drew at first, and then I realized I kind of had to, and then, yeah, I was pretty much you were the only one in the dark. I kind of had to. Oh no! I'm not. To be clear, I'm not talking about the Cat and Chanel episode. I'm talking about the one that we recorded on Monday oh, last yeah, week. Oh yeah, no, that was like recorded it. Night. You released it at like midnight on Saturday, and just like, <laughs> well, I, I released it for Sunday. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm gonna go tweet this out, and then like I had stuff to do in the morning, and I was like, I'll do it at work, and then like shit hit the fan at work, and then like I came home and I was like, oh, it's like midnight, and no one knows this is a thing, so. Let's yeah. tweet it out. We'll just tweet every episode out like three days after we release it now. It's Which is fun. why listeners need to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever, because then you don't need to see our dumbass tweets. You can just listen. That is how I found out about it. I I was sitting there like waiting for waiting for Richie so he waiting and Corey could Tuesday record podcast there. Yeah, waiting for the Tuesday one on a <laughs> Saturday night. And I uh, saw a Spotify notification. I was like, that never happens. Uh, what is this? And I look and it's a new episode. I was like, what? <laughs> I've also <laughs> never seen a Spotify notification. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what happens when you, uh, when you follow the Bruce and Bruins podcast on Spotify. <laughs> Random alert. Maybe. 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 I do, but I don't get those notifications. Hey, you feeling lonely at night? <laughs> you Just like your drug ex. We'll text you at the <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but Brandon Carlos contract, I think that's pretty dope. The fulcrum is back. Yeah, we should and, talk about uh, that for sure. That's a good salary for him. That's a good length. I'm down with the commitment. Down with the sickness. Um, oh, wow. Oh wow! Oh, Brandon Carlo, car Brandon Carlo. No, but that's a great deal. Trying to rein this into a serious take. That's a cold open. No, I love, I love. Yeah, it is. That's the name of the episode. Oh wow, Carlo. Down with the fulcrum. I'm getting down with the cold. Good I said Coco, but I meant Fulcrum. Uh, that's just my sad tears for Conan O'Brien <laughs> leaving us for HBO. Um, to Nick Lancey, who I, shout, shout I found out Lancey. during that period that he is like the biggest fan yes. of Conan O'Brien. <laughs> yes, I'm with him on that. I'm Team Coco. Yeah, um, I, I, that was the thing I didn't know about Lancey until I saw his Instagram story for like those three days. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, okay. Um, <laughs> I've never yeah. once watched an episode of Conan O'Brien, but you're missing out because Conan O'Brien. I've seen shit. I've seen YouTube clips. I think like one of my f- all time favorite YouTube videos is the uh, like him and Dave Franco made dating profiles together mm-hmm. and like just went and out then on then, dates and then swiped for each other and shit. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of late night talk shows, Conan O'Brien just definitely definitely the best in my opinion. yeah. But also like I'm asleep in the like, modern era. I'm asleep Seriously. before those come on on the on the West Coast. So because you're 80. Because you're old. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, but, that uh, checks out. But uh yeah, Brandon, Brandon Carlo, Carlo def- definitely worth that price. Speaking of late night talk shows, uh Brandon Carlo uh would be great on one, but also uh you know, okay. definitely worth the price. I mean, he's he could be a top line defensive, like like shutdown defenseman on a lot of teams in the NHL. I think I think he could. I think he's not going to be like a star, but like on a shitty team, yeah, he could hold his weight on the top. A I was going to say Chris is shaking his head no, but like I've I've had to watch the Arizona Coyotes. I've had to watch the Vancouver Canucks. I've had to watch the Edmonton Oilers, the Pacific Division, and then like a big chunk of the Central. He'd be a, he'd be a top pairing guy. Yeah, he's, I'm not saying Chicago, like on a with Chicago. I'm not he'd saying be, on he'd like be a the best defender in Chicago by a landslide. Yeah, I'm not saying on like a cup contender. On a cup contender, he is a middle pair D, and that's what he is with Boston, and he's a really good middle pair D. Um, so I think that is well worth it. I think he's really a part of this recipe on the B's defense uh for a long time. And like you got McAvoy and you got Carlo. I think those are the two names that are going to really stick around on this uh, Bruins decor. I mean, Grizzlick is great too. Who knows what could happen down the road, but I really think they're going to be holding on to McAvoy and Carlo, and that contract proves it. I, I would prioritize Grizzlick in that, but yeah. I, I mean, so I, I think the thing with Carlo is the way the NHL has been going over the past like decade, you kind of want to transition away from guys who are like only good in their defensive zone and can't like get the puck out of their defensive zone. Um, but if you pair him with somebody who can like <clears throat> Mike Riley, um, then it could be really effective. Um, and, and yeah, you need guys like that on the penalty kill too. I mean, he's one of the biggest reasons why the Bruins have had a really effective penalty kill over the last few years. Um, and I think, or whatever million dollars he got uh that's a super fair cap hit i I wouldn't be calling for saying like don sweeney is the 
best GM in the league because he locked down this contract. I think the two camps were, how could you possibly sign this dude to that long of a contract when he's had concussion issues? And I mean, just look at Patrice Bergeron, like it can work out totally fine. Um, And also the other camp is, wow, like this dude's one of the best lockdown defensemen in the league. Uh, You just got to steal. And now he's like an Adam Larson, like kind of dude where he's, he definitely improved his offensive game a little bit this past year, but also it's a small sample size given the injuries. I I don't know how much you can really rely on that, but um, yeah, I mean, if he continues to develop his defensive game did take a hit this past year too. So um, got to find out if that's like a trade-off that he made, or if that's something where like maybe he can maintain those gains on the offensive end and still like bring back his defensive game. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely, like, obviously most reliable as a purely defensive defenseman, but um, I think it's maybe a little overlooked. I think he's very strong at moving the puck, maybe not quite as, as good as somebody like Charlie McAvoy or Matt Grizzly when he's really rolling at moving the puck up ice, but I think Carlo is somebody who you can trust to, at the very least, make responsible plays coming out of the zone. Um, I wouldn't quite put him in that dynamic, like, breakout defenseman category but i think he's reliable in in most cases to get the puck out of the zone so um even if he's not necessarily relying or or adding um points wise offensively which we did see some more of last year and i I do like that kind of thought process chris of like determining whether that was kind of a trade-off of all right he's going to be a little bit less conservative in the d zone to drive that offense i think there's a little bit of a trade-off there that'd be okay um but I still think he can contribute offensively. Just getting the puck up the ice to begin with, I think that's something that he's he's been pretty strong with. So um, I'm a big time Carlo guy. I had somebody at work tell me that they weren't thrilled about the contract because Carlo quote just didn't do it for him, and I was like, nah. Like, <laughs> I know he's not like a First sexy off, like fifth twenty goal scorer on the D end, but like he's a very strong, also, very good looking man. Home. Also very. I was going to say beautiful man. Well, like too, who yeah. says? Who says that um, Brandon Carlo doesn't do it for them? Long, yeah, no, tall, and handsome. Money. So I yeah. do have an interesting question, though, because back when we were all writing for THW together, I believe all we did a roundtable with BSC because there were some big trade rumors going mm-hmm. around that uh, Gabriel Landeskog was going to be on the move. And one of the guys that Colorado was targeting was Carlo because Carlo, uh, everyone loves trading for someone who's from where they play or whatever. Um, so yeah, shouts to Charlie Coyle, but it's ironic uh, <laughs> making fun of that as a Bruins fan. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's the funniest what thing because it's just like any time yeah, a yeah. Boston guy is available, like, oh, it's, oh he will, he's gonna go to the Bruins because Jack Eichel's taking the home count discount, <laughs> dude, four and a quarter, 10 years, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> but looking back on it, would you have made that deal if it was straight up Brandon Carlo for Gabe Landeskog? Because I think I would, yes, no. yes, what, what, yes. How long ago was he would have been he would have been the Taylor like obviously he's a completely different player than Taylor Hall, but he would have been like the the new Milan Lucic for David Krejci. But he would have been better than you get more isn't isn't he fucking nasty? Yeah, he's pretty nasty, but at the time at the time he was in kind of like a big slump offensively. And that was when that was when Colorado was crazy. That was when Colorado was like the worst team in the league, and everyone was like, "Wow, we got to tear the shit down." Like maybe Nathan McKinnon isn't Sidney Crosby, maybe uh, maybe Gabe Landeskog isn't that good, and then they, you know, 
obviously. Were. Oh, you year. mean this was a while ago? I thought you meant this past year. No, no, like, no, no. This, was, this was like three years like, ago. Not a chance. No. Um, yeah, take away the scog. I, I think for, that, for three years of like if they'd managed to keep him around for for those years, yeah, because he looked really good. But now he's he's taken a step back. I mean, speaking of handsome men, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of nice getting to see him out out on the west coast. Um, we're gonna have to see him in Seattle now, though. Um, no, but, I I do think that Colorado could have at the time used a Brandon Carlo. Um, although interestingly enough, they haven't added one. Right, like I mean, the closest yeah. thing they well, the no one can replace Carlo. No one, no one's world. as good as Carlo. I know. <laughs> well, like Eric Johnson. Yeah, Eric Johnson maybe, but he's not even that stay at home. Like he's he's almost got the same kind of energy as like a Tyler Myers who that Eric Johnson loves rushing the offensive zone. Um, I was thinking Ekman Larson. Yeah, actually that's a really good com- but substantially more physical than Oliver Ekman Larson. Substantially. Eric Johnson loves hitting people. But they <laughs> He is missing he, his two front teeth. He is, and he hates putting Kate's putting the fakes in. Kate's All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. He did give a good interview about that one time where he talked about like how he could put in his teeth, but like it's annoying and people like his smile anyway. And I was like, that's true. I do. Um, but no, I think, I think Colorado could have used that, right? Like he, he would have been a good addition back when they still had Tyson Berry in his peak, back when they had Eric Johnson less injury prone, although he's always been a little injury prone. Um, looking at it more recently, I mean, they have so many good additions to their decor. They have Bowen Byram, they have Kill McCarr, um, who's kind of like their uh, Charlie McAvoy, right? Like, except maybe, maybe a little better. Um, how dare I, I know. Um, they have uh, Ryan Graves, who's fantastic, which they got in like just an absolute fleecing of a three-way trade. Um, I, at the time I probably would have done it. Um, I don't think Colorado would have though, cause they were, I, I was so bullish on Joe Sackick being a GM. I thought he was going to be garbage. And uh, I, I'll be the first person to admit when I'm very wrong. And that's, that was it. I was super wrong. Like he's, He's one of the most effective GMs, and I think he would have. What if you weren't the first person to admit that you were wrong? Like, what if someone else was on Twitter? I certainly am. So admitting that you were wrong for you. Oh no, that happens every day. I (laughs) you guys have all seen Izzy, so my my four year old tells me I'm wrong day after day. So, um, no, I. I probably would have done it at the time. Um, I I did want to, while you guys were talking about like the, whether he's a stay at home and if he's good. And I, I think he's the only way you can be a defensive defenseman right now. I think Brandon Carlo is proof that having that stay at home defender, quote unquote, right, is, is cape is something feasible moving forward because he, he does play it a different way from, from Nick Jalmerson and from like the Zabina and Anton Strahlman. Uh, anybody remember Dennis Seid- Seidenberg? I do. That's um, the next name I was going to say. German <laughs> Hammer. Dennis Seidenberg. Right out of your brain there through the computer screen. So no. amazing. One of my favorites. Uh, 
of his jersey. I, I wish I did. I wish I did. Um, no, I, I Stephen Camper uh, number four. Jesus Christ! Well, you have the Stephen Camper hat right now. No, I don't. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's forty four. Oh, you're right. Re- um, Wasn't he forty seven early on? He was forty seven early on in his career because they had Seidenberg like bef- before Krug. Yeah. Before Krug, yeah. yeah. I mean, probably yeah. BC. Um, no, <laughs> before, I, <laughs> before no BK before Krug. Well, that wouldn't have been as funny, Drew. He's no, he was forty seven on the Rangers. So. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we let Cat make her point? I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I was just protecting myself. That's all. That's, that's your first mistake is assuming you can't podcast. Uh, now, I think Brandon and Carlos, the most effective form of a defensive defenseman that really that, that's offered under the age of what, 30, 35 in the NHL right now? Because I can't think of another more defensively minded, like in terms Adam of Larson. gap coverage and. Yeah, but he's 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 over thirty now. Is he? He's not a young guy anymore. He's in he's an O nine draft pick. So yeah. Okay. That's uh. Those they're all they're all thirty or nearing on thirty one this year. Don't ask me how. Ask me how I know that. Um, <laughs> that's the high school graduating class of two thousand nine. Um, now I think I among those younger guys we've seen what is it Logan Stanley the the Winnipeg Jets. Pylon, who managed to score a couple goals during the playoffs, um, didn't manage Stanley to win Cup. Winnipeg a game, but uh, one of those stay-at-home guys just couldn't figure out how to how to move his feet. Um, other than that, looking at all the good young defenders in the league right now, you look at like Adam Fox, Kale McCart, Charlie McAvoy, Jacob Chikrin, like the guys who are all 25 and under, give or take, uh, they all play either a really good two-way game or a little bit of an offensively minded, like a power play captain type game. And and then there's Brandon Carlo, who I think is kind of like a little unicorn right now. So good for him. A, a unicorn in the like the mildest In the type of game he plays. When I think of unicorn, <laughs> I'm thinking of like NBA players like Giannis, where he's just like no, a very different. Six foot ten point card. <laughs> but think about it, like I, I'm trying to think of a good, defensively minded like stay at home first, young defender who's under the age of thirty, and like I can't think of one. They're all like Adam Larson's pretty much the youngest of all the ones that that play that style of game, and he's like I said, he's he's if he's not class of 09, he was class of twenty ten. So he's nearing 10, 11, 12 years in the league now, which is not not a young guy anymore, unfortunately. Um, R.I.P. to me. R.I.P. to both of us. <laughs> R.I.P. to both of us. Um, um, <laughs> since this is getting a little bit long, I did want to switch topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't want to stop you from doing that, but I did have things to say, and then we talked for another like 25 minutes. Um, so first of all, Chris, is your grandmother's birthday July 3rd? If so, your mother followed me on Instagram. Uh, well, all my grandparents are dead, so... <laughs> well, was it? Was it? I feel like you're trying to steal my bank information. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, are you and your friend two young dappers or whatever was the caption? Yeah, two dapper young men. 
going out in the town. Did you do that on December 31st, 2019? <laughs> I don't know. Your, I think your mom just followed me on Instagram. So I'm looking through her posts and you're is, one of her followers. You could, and you're you one. could say her I name. Love her. Oh, Claudia? Is your yeah, that's my mom's mom? name. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't want to reveal like too personal of information other than your Now we're revealing your name. Well, yeah, don't, well, yeah. D- don't mention her maiden name on this podcast. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it doesn't reveal she, her maiden name. She's she's followed. Yeah, I understand that. That was a joke. Uh, she, she's followed our uh, our podcast Instagram account for a while. So, well, I just followed her. Person- like oh no, no! I just that was from the. Oh, I thought she followed my personal account it was from the Bruins Bruins account. She, so I followed her back from the Bruins Bruins account. Now it's weird. Finally, no, it's fine. It's funny. Um. Anyway, the other uh no. Drew was so touched. He was like, I can't believe your mom knows who I am and followed me on Instagram. Nope. Well, M- Mrs. Gear, it is at Doobshmoob. Go for it. Um, oh, man. I so, hope she's uh, listening to this. I don't know if she does. Nashville Predators prospect I hope she doesn't. <laughs> uh, Luke Prokop uh, came out as gay, uh, which is the first... Uh, well, according to this article, it is the first active or inactive player to ever come out as gay. I think NHL player under contract. Yeah, right? a- a- NHL yeah, player. An, an NHL contracted player, yeah. Yeah, two yeah, active NHL player. Gay, or two active queer players in like pro hockey right now. One of them, I believe, is a goaltender in Sweden or Finland or Czech Republic or something like that. And one is a bisexual. I, I think he's either a forward or... I don't know. He's he's not a goalie. That's all that matters to me. Um, you say that in, the position in the, <laughs> in the EIHL. Um, I know that there were there was another goaltender who after retired came out. Um, he talked about how he just hadn't wanted not Brock McGillis, that one we all know him of. Um, one over in Europe. Uh, and so those two are active players. One of them, the one who plays in the EIHL. I think he plays for the Manchester Storm, something like that. And then there's uh, a draft prospect, uh, Yannick Duplessis, uh, who is, I believe, in the QMJHL, um, who came out, what, two or three months ago? Time time for the last year and a half. It's like one massive blur. Than that and it, was, either, yeah. it was sometime in that frame, and I couldn't tell you if it was last week or last year. I have no idea. But no, this is the first under like NHL contract, which is fantastic Huge yeah it's uh, really interesting to like i'd be interested to know if like this had anything to do with was it carl nassib who uh-huh. came out for was, in yeah. the nfl um because yeah. I, I mean the, these things obviously are super important and really impactful and like you were saying Kat, like you can list the amount of out hockey players in in the pros like in the world. male hockey players in the pros yeah true um uh and so so something like this could be extremely impactful in the short term um and i mean obviously hoping that in the long term it's you know less of a spaced out thing more more common for it to happen but for now it's something to I mean, it's always going to be something to celebrate until it's way more commonplace, and I don't think that's going to be something in our lifetimes. But I hope it is. Never know. Yeah, hopefully. I kind of think that I like not to like make this into like a social 
like development podcast, but like I think that way a lot of the time. And I'm like, oh, we're fucked. And then I'm like, I don't know. I guess my grandfather was alive during like the end of World War II, and think about how far we've come. They, you know, in, still a lot not, more to come, but yeah. but but like I, you know what I mean. I don't get me wrong, not nearly far enough, but things were certainly different in the '40s than they are now, and um, still a long way to go. But I think with hopefully the generations that we belong to and and younger, it seems to be. I don't know, maybe we're just in bubbles, but it seems to be more widespread that people are not only just tolerant, but just like good people. So um, hopefully that's yeah. a more. The problem is like bigotry is being replaced by tolerance in some ways. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. like instead of, you know, full on acceptance, it's tolerance. And, and that's another battle to be fought. But for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's, I think the Carl Nassib thing did make a, a big difference there because usually when there's a when there's an lgbtq player on any team male or female because there are a number of female athletes who don't feel comfortable coming out um even though it's more widespread within women's sports uh you have to know that your team has your back and you have to know that your coach and your management staff have your back um because i mean if you look at the comment section like it's don't look don't don't ever look at the comment section anyway but like don't look at it when it comes to stuff like that uh the carl nassib thing i unfortunately went through the comment section on one particular article and like had to put like i had to lock up the twitter fingers to keep myself from from responding to anyone but uh i mean usually when it comes to stuff like that your team at least nowadays right like your team knows uh, I know back in the day it was don't ask, don't tell. Like it, it came as a shock when people would come out. Nowadays, it's your teammates typically know, if not all of them, at least a number of them. Your management staff probably knows, uh, especially before you come out. And so I think that you have to give credit, obviously, to Carl Nassib and then to and to all the the queer athletes that came before them. You look at like Gus Kenworthy and uh, I know that one of the MLS players came out, all the female players who've come out over the years. Uh, but you also have to look at the way that the Oakland Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Vegas Raiders, excuse me, that's going to take a while. Um, that would that would have slipped yeah. right by. That would have sunk, sunk this, sunk this We have to bleep podcast. that out. They deserve a ton of credit for how they handled it as a team. Because you have to know that your team's going to handle it correctly, too. Like, nobody wants to come out and have their team, like, let it happen, but not, number one, like, be supportive. But number two, have a game plan for, like, what you shut off comments on, how what you're sharing, how much you're sharing. Because they did, I mean, the video was shared by Carl Nassib, and then the team made a statement. There's no way they prepared that on the fly. I'm sure they had that written up for a while. Um they had videos, they had pictures that they used. They they handled it, I thought, in a in a really world class kind of way. I thought that and I I think that's the first time I've ever said that about an NFL team in my life. Um and I think that probably gave some encouragement to players in other sports that maybe hockey's the first one we're seeing it, but that there are people who work within team front offices and uh 
media and marketing departments that are going to handle it correctly so that you don't end up in a, in a almost, you don't end up becoming a target um, and you don't end up having it handled in a way that's going to hurt you. Um, which I, I think that's probably part of it too. Cause I think the Nashville predators handled it very well. Yeah. Um, and they handled it in a supportive way without being overbearing and, I think that's that's a big part of it too. We had to see that teams were going to handle it as well as the teammates did and as well as the public did. I do want to jump in and mention uh, how much more difficult it is for black players to come out and do this. Um, having seen what happened with Michael Sam and so many women athletes who've done it um, and specifically the... Uh, Vegas Raiders mishandling of the George Floyd verdict kind of deal. Um, so there's there's some stuff that That's everyone's true. still working on. Yeah, um, they so, won yeah, one this, thing and lost another. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, this has to be uh, an intersectional kind of deal as well, and you have to recognize uh, also non-binary and trans athletes who are going through it through it as well. And uh, a lot of that shit's coming out right now during the Olympics and how bad that's been that's true that's uh in in the sport that i coach alongside hockey i i have been a big advocate of the fact that the running community tends to be more progressive about a lot of things um tends to be more inclusionary i mean i coach men and women we don't see that in a lot of sports as often up through adult years um but the running community couldn't be handling the uh, the Castor Semenya situation in particular worse. There's no way they could be handling it worse. Uh, like, I think they could try to bungle it more and still wouldn't quite hit their mark. So so there's still a, a long ways to go on on a lot of that, for sure. I will say, I, I thought it was encouraging to see how many teams beyond the Predators, they, like, tweeted out something or, you know, just some kind offered some kind of support. Um, I know there's been a lot of situations in the past with other things where we had hoped, you know, it was like, oh, when are the Bruins going to say something? When are, you know, so-and-so going to – and it seemed like I was scrolling through Twitter. I, you know, I didn't, like, go through each team and check, but I saw a lot of – I saw the Bruins do stuff. I saw a bunch of other teams tweet out something and just say, you know, offer support and say, like, hey, we're happy to have you here and that sort of thing, which obviously is such a small gesture and you hope there's more than just a tweet going out, but – um, I think that is at least a positive uh, from the whole situation as well. Yeah, and, and well, we the, see... I, I, I didn't follow your advice, Kat, and I always go and look through the comments because I do want to <laughs> see how shitty people are being. And uh, a lot of the time, like, yeah, there are bad comments, but also just seeing how meaningful it is for such a small gesture to a lot of yeah. the fan base. Um, it, it drives home how important stuff like this is. I mean, it... Looking at, I know that the Arizona Coyotes have started starting this upcoming season, and I hope they're not the only team. I hope that I only know it's them because I used to work in their hockey development department. Um, but their hockey development program has always had the Little Howlers, which is their learn to skate program. And then they have like the intro to hockey, where for I think it's like 400 bucks, you get a season plus a full set of gear, plus, you know tickets to games and then they started doing the growlers this past year which is where they have an adult learn to skate and learn to play 
um, for like a similar price point. And then they've also now added uh, an LGBTQ inclusionary learn to play, which is specifically geared towards giving queer fans a, like a safe space to learn how to play together without having that that barrier feeling like they're maybe going to get pushed out by by people who think that they're too effeminate to be on the ice or too weird or you know oh I don't want I don't want them body checking me so that the Coyotes announced that I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago and it's same price point players get a full set of gear they get to learn from a bunch of former pros who obviously had to sign on for it so we're clearly at the very least willing to work in some sort of capacity like that um, and hopefully other teams are going to do stuff like that too um because i i tweeted out expecting that you know a couple of coyotes fans would be like yes the team's got it and it got picked up by a bunch of fans here in arizona who i felt a little guilty that i didn't know them right like i felt guilty that i hadn't interacted with them more who were like wow i'm i'm gonna sign up who's gonna do this with me i and a lot of their friends who it seemed like really didn't have an entry point to hockey were were heartened by it and so that's true going through and looking at the looking at the positive the positive vibes only right uh as long as you don't read the bad comments we try good vibes Good vibes. We don't get any bad comments. We just get comments like <laughs> we don't get any Speaking good of good comments, Drew. Yeah. Patty yeah. boy. Patrick Laverty said getting ready for another Bruise and Bruins podcast episode. Am I doing it right? And it is a photo of his computer with a uh, six pack of Miller Lite in front of the computer. Um, and then on one side, it is our latest episode besides this one, episode 64, adjusting to the adjustment. Check it out. And uh, also, the, on the other side is DraftKings. Is <laughs> I open. love that he got the DraftKings in. Yeah, that's, so, that's, that's such glad. a pro move that I would yeah. not have thought of. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing the hashtag THPN on that. Hell yeah, um, yeah. Maybe we can get some uh, <laughs> some bonuses there. But uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, this has been a good episode for what we said was going to be a brief episode yeah yeah, yeah. i specifically well, said that i was going to try and keep it brief i was like man there's no way i'm going to push this one this long. this is this is like the negotiating tactic where like we're cutting this short at an hour 22 and i was like i just i can't have a two-hour podcast episode so i said let's make it 30 to 45 <laughs> minutes when he said 30 to 45 i was like i can make that happen like it's it's Chris's birthday, right? Like he's got he's got friends that aren't us that he I'm sure like to hang out with. Allegedly. Eh, I don't know. If <laughs> <is>. <laughs> but I was like, there's no way I'll interrupt. Like I'll I'll keep this brief with you guys. I won't say I've, anything. I've got an hour fifteen until I have to be at the bar. Oh, you got time. Well, yeah. I'm not using that excuse to go any further. So this has been episode sixty five of season two. Oh car. Load. Happy birthday, Chris. Carl. 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 Randy. 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 Carl. Randy.